Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Two Girls, One Topic. I'm Devaney. And I'm Jamie. And today our topic is the Doomsday Clock. And the Doomsday Clock is a metaphor that represents how close humanity is to self-destruction due to nuclear weapons and climate change. The Doomsday Clock, um, the time on the Doomsday Clock is relative to midnight. Midnight meaning the apocalypse, end of the world. And that time is determined by a board of scientists. And these scientists, about 19 scientists, are experts in their field in various areas, astrophysics and climate change and nuclear power and such. And they consult with their colleagues to come up with um, a metaphorical time and how far away we are from apocalypse mm-hmm. and this was a subject that i jamie was very interested in um in 2020 for some reasons that we'll get into um as to why the 2020 time was kind of different than others mm-hmm. uh, but i was interested in it i brought it up to devany recently and devany hadn't heard of it my mom hadn't heard of it i did a poll just this week just yesterday i think on my instagram and like 55 percent of the people on it uh, that answered the poll had not heard of the doomsday clock so we thought it'd be kind of interesting to do some research and figure out more um, answer some of our own questions about it like who makes these decisions and how and what does the time even mean um so yeah we're excited to tell you all about it and we hope you like this episode thanks so i will get into a little bit of history on how the doomsday clock was created the doomsday clock is set every year by the bulletin of the atomic scientists um they set it every year towards the end of january um it, the bulletin of the atomic scientists was founded in 1945 by albert einstein and um, a bunch of scientists from the university of chicago who had worked on the manhattan project And so the Manhattan Project was a top-secret government project to develop um, our first atomic weapons. Um, And it was actually so top-secret that a lot of the, like, government officials working on the project didn't really know what they were doing. Um, But the scientists did, and they had concerns from jump. They were very worried about uh, what they knew that they were creating. Wait, clarification. So there was... There was government, the suits, the suits were yes, there, and scientists. And the they're scientists recruiting scientists to build this thing for them. And the, But they didn't really know what they were recruiting the scientists for? Um, I mean, like, obviously somebody did, but I think, right. like, the... the... <laughs> <laughs> somebody did. Blindly. <laughs> but I think the more, like, minor players surrounding it kind of, like, didn't know. Well, and also when you've never created... Like, when you're the first people to, like, make something, you don't necessarily know what that's going to look like. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, like, I don't think they realized the severity of it, and I think the scientists were like, oh, this is really dangerous and really powerful. Okay. Um, so, the Manhattan Project developed our first atomic weapons. Then, in June of 1945, several of the scientists from the Manhattan Project got together and uh, signed these documents known as the Frank Report. I think I'm saying that right. Frank? Frank Report. Um, And it was kind of a petition against the use of atomic weapons uh, on, like, other human beings. And they sent this to the U.S. Secretary of War, and they recommended doing a, um, almost like a, a public detonation in an uninhabited area. Okay. As, like, a warning or, like, 
something to scare the Japanese into submission (laughs) forfeiting the war I don't know how wars end but yes like putting up their white flag they hope the scientists thought will detonate it in an uninhabited area no real consequences will happen but the threat and the thought of these consequences is scary enough fucking terrifying this thing is yes um so that first treaty was ignored then again, uh, they get together, or not treaty, petition. That first petition was ignored. Then these scientists, at this time, there's like 70 of them that sign a second petition, send that to the Secretary of War again, basically saying the same thing. We don't think that this should be used on people. They're like, please, for the love of God, don't do this. Uh-huh. And then that petition was ignored as well. Um, so it started in June, and then in August of the same year, the United States dropped atomic bombs on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan, uh, which was very tragic and horrible. And one of the scientists from the Manhattan Project referred to it as one of the greatest blunders in history. The use of these weapons by the U.S., despite several pleas and warnings from the scientists who actually built this technology, uh, were ignored And at that point, it inspired and motivated a lot of these Manhattan Project scientists to come together because they felt really compelled to inform the public about science Mm -hmm. and about the implications that, like, this science and technology has on humanity because now they see that there are extreme consequences to the things that they're building and creating. Mm -hmm. This led to the founding of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. Um, Initially, they were called the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists of Chicago. They all were in the University of Chicago. Um, and then later it was shortened. Um, they, that was founded in September of 1945. And their mission was to equip the public, policymakers, and scientists with the information needed to reduce man-made threats to our existence. Okay. Um, so it began as a newsletter. Um, and then it transitioned to an actual magazine in June of 1947. So for this magazine, they needed a cover. Um, they needed some cover art. So they asked a woman, an artist named, I think it's Martel, Martel, Langsdorf. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Martel or Martel. Um, and they wanted her to create a cover for them. Um, so she was married to a Manhattan Project scientist. And she had listened to him and other scientists have discussions um, with a lot of urgency about the consequences for this technology they developed. They really wanted to convey this to the public um they felt a lot of pressure on this situation and they felt that nuclear weapons can become a big problem really really fast yeah so initially she wanted to yes (laughs) initially she wanted to just sketch um a cover of the atomic symbol of uh uranium was going Mm -hmm. to be their cover um but she felt that that didn't accurately convey like the pressure on the situation which led her to sketch a simple clock design um, and then she was the first person to set the hands of the clock. She set them at seven minutes to midnight. She said this was because it looked good to her artistic eye. Um, and then from then on, the editor of the bulletin, Eugene Rabinowich, um, decided whether to move the hands of the clock. Um, and he did this until his death in 1973. So the seven minutes to midnight, uh, it's it starting at seven minutes to midnight. That's just completely arbitrary. Yes. She just... Yes. Started it there. Uh-huh. Okay. It had no, like, scientific purpose. But then, so, she sets it because she's the designer. But then mm-hmm. afterwards, when they get moved, 
Eugene Rabinowich was a leader in the international disarmament movement, and he collaborated with scientists and policy experts around the world. So he was, like, very active in this, like, policy arena, Mm -hmm. um, active with international scientists. And so he used these discussions to determine how the clock should be set and then communicated this information through the bulletin. So after he died in 1973, the hands of the clock are now set by the Science and Security Board, um, which you'll, you will talk about more later, but it's composed of 18 experts who meet twice a year. They discuss events and policies that influence the movement of the hands of the clock. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to talk about when the hands have been moved just a couple times throughout history. Um, Do you know how many times it has been moved? Yes. Okay. Um... I will get to that at the very end. I'm so sorry. No, 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 you're <laughs> fine. <laughs> so there are th- there are three major threats um, that are currently assessed, threats to humanity that determine when the hands will move, how much they move. Mm-hmm. Um, the threats that they analyze when moving the hands are climate change, nuclear weapons, and disruptive technologies like bio and cybersecurity. And they say that's because each of these has the potential to destroy humanity and make Earth uninhabitable. (laughs) That's so much fun. A little bleak. So, first time that the hands moved from seven minutes to three minutes was in 1949 when the Soviets tested their first atomic bomb. So we got closer to midnight. Then, the closest prior to where we are at currently, which I will let you talk about, Mm -hmm. the closest that we had been to midnight was two minutes to midnight and that happened twice. First time it happened was in 1953. Second time was in 2018. In 1953, we were two minutes to midnight because the U.S. and the Soviets both tested thermonuclear weapons. In 2018, we were also at two minutes, and it was due mostly to a breakdown of international order of nuclear actors and lack of action on climate change. It was because Trump is president. Yes. (laughs) And it was a very dangerous time. And a very scary time uh, for nuclear weapons and the fate of humanity in a very literal way. Yes. Um, and for years to come after that. So, and just on a bright note, things can go backwards. Mm-hmm. We don't always have to be so close to midnight. The furthest the hands have ever been from midnight was in 1991. They were set 17 minutes to midnight. And this was due to the collapse of the Soviet Union and the signing of the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty. And so since its creation, the hands have moved 24 times since 1947. Okay. Thank so, you. okay. So like you said, in 2018, um, we were two minutes to midnight and, uh, in 2020, right now, right now we are 100 seconds to midnight. And that, um, was as of January 27th, um, that they announced that for the 2020 year or 2021 mm-hmm. year, whatever. Um, and in 2020, we were 100 seconds to midnight. So to fully understand why we're currently 100 seconds to midnight, we have to understand why we were originally 100 seconds to midnight. Mm-hmm. 20, in January 2021, uh, basically they're just keeping the 20 sec- or 100 seconds to midnight. Jesus, too many numbers. Yeah. Um, so. So yes, 2020, we were at 100 seconds. Yeah. How resulting <laughs> from events that happened in 2019. Yes. And now in 2021, we remain at 100 seconds due to events that happened in 2020. Yes. Beautiful. So in 2020, so every year when they change the clock, they 
put out a article or a bulletin or whatever mm-hmm. explaining exactly why we're here, what events have led to this, you know, mm-hmm. what changes in policy, what um, action or inaction from global leaders there's been. So in 2020, as a result of what happened in 2019, um, they said, this is from the beginning of it, um, the beginning of their article, two simultaneous existential dangers, nuclear war and climate change. And these are compounded by a threat multiplier, cyber-enabled information warfare. So basically they're saying that we went 100 seconds to midnight in the most basic terms because of the threat of nukes, Mm -hmm. the threat of climate change, Mm -hmm. and the misinformation, aka fake news, aka disinformation, aka whatever you want to call it, um, people lying and believing it and Mm -hmm. spreading lies um, that they believed to be real well the fake news gets a little bit complicated because you hear the term fake news mm-hmm. prominently predominantly from trump yeah use that term a lot yes. um but that news was not fake so that's where we get into this whole problem of misinformation yes, he called real news fake things yes and then we yeah so yeah. now um that gets us into a whole predicament because he is questioning the legitimacy of the real news mm-hmm. and referring to it. I was thinking about this actually, how frustrating the phrase mainstream media is. Uh-huh. It's just the news. Like, <laughs> it. when did we stop, like, having news? Like, yeah. and how is it, you know, and it's it's... I would say mostly people of, like, a certain generation or demographic, predominantly, obviously Mm -hmm. not always the case, but predominantly who believe in that, you grew up watching the 6 o'clock news. Yeah. You had four channels. Yes. Like, how are we getting into, like, where you now doubt and don't believe it? It's, it, and it just puts us in a really hard situation because that, that is a huge problem is which we can get into more later, how uh, fake news, <laughs> lies, blatant lies, yeah. uh, get us into a place where now we're closer to the apocalypse than ever before because that spreading of misinformation has mm-hmm. real-world consequences. As we've all very recently seen. Yes. Um, tragically. So, yes. So that is the basic idea behind the 2020, um, and then a little more in more detail they break it down um, in nuclear and in climate. So in terms of the nuclear realm of it, um, there was an end to several like arms treaties mm-hmm. and control things, um, negotiations that fell through and countries that weren't getting along, um, specifically like Iran, North Korea, the US-Russian um, lack mm-hmm. of cooperation in areas. Um, there was, they said that uh, it created an environment that was conducive to a renewed nuclear arms race and to the proliferation of nuclear weapons and to lower barriers to nuclear war. So basically mm-hmm. they were saying it's easier, the lower barriers, it's easier for us to get into a nuclear war and we're yes. in this arms race again because we've taken these sanctions out of play. Um, there's mm-hmm. nothing holding back everybody just trying to do... We could pull the, the trigger most, at yeah, any moment. throw the most money into their nuclear programs develop the most things and accidentally be at war with each other. Mm -hmm. And as for the climate crisis, uh, they were just saying, you know, 2019, 
shit was hitting the fan. Uh, we're pulling out of the Paris, us, we meaning America, pulling out of Paris uh, climate agreement. Mm-hmm. And they're saying at the UN climate meetings, uh, they weren't making very many concrete plans to make differences. You know, mm-hmm. as as is the case with a lot of those, they are coming in with these really great speeches about the things, but mm-hmm. nobody's making like these concrete plans. No like, action. How no action. Yeah. There's no action. Um, so again, the limited p- political response, um, falling short of the of the uh, things that we said that we were going to do. Mm-hmm. The not just America, other countries as well, worldwide. Um, which this is all based on worldwide things. America comes into it quite a bit as we are. Yes. Yeah. That's actually what I was going to say. So this is the doomsday clock is set based on a global analysis of things Mm -hmm. just very recently. Well, and I guess always the U S has been doing a lot of those things, a lot (laughs) of things in a big way, but like the other countries globally responding Mm -hmm. to climate change that also affects the clock. Yes, absolutely. So then in um, January, so again, that was all published January 23rd of 2020. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward a year, aka last week, um, <laughs> and we are still 100 seconds to midnight. And I know what you're all thinking, 2020, what a great year. We must have gotten better. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, however, it's not COVID really that kept us where we were so they made a point they start off their article their 2021 article talking about covid and saying yes covid is horrible and Mm -hmm. yes it's killed millions of people and infected millions and millions more people 1.7 million people have been killed not infected i forget what the infected number is it's way higher (laughs) higher. um however they don't expect covid to be civilization ending Mm -hmm. and they expect you know as much of a hit as the economy takes and as many people who have you know unfortunately died from covid Mm -hmm. it's not ending civilization as we know it and because of that they um god sorry the yeah the (laughs) people above us are really pounding (laughs) i swear to god i think the kids might be learning to tap dance oh that is what that sounded like right there's sometimes a rhythm to it Uh uh-huh that one sounded less rhythmic but they're working on it i'm pretty sure you can hear it through the mic too um so uh, with covid sorry not to cut you off but (laughs) my understanding um was that like you said it's not civilization ending we are going to bounce back from it it was a horrible tragedy but um it pointed out like large governmental failures yes to to respond to things like that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so they so they say that about COVID and then they say like one of the important things that is coming from it unfortunately is that it's like a wake-up call to um government's inability to Mm -hmm. take charge and fix these things and you know how that is going to we're going to have nukes and climate change and all these other bad things that are happening and governments mm-hmm. clearly aren't able to um handle and control these other situations this pa- pandemic situation yeah um so it's a wake-up call and that they're unprepared and um also pointing out that there could be more virulent pandemics mm-hmm. coming which in the could future. be civilization ending. um so also in their 2021 they talk about nukes so again there's the accelerating nuclear programs um, a big thing was the development of hypersonic glide vehicles and ballistic missile defenses and weaponry development systems that can flexibly use 
conventional or nuclear warheads. So basically... That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. So um, I don't entirely understand what a hypersonic flight vehicle is. I wasn't... It doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't understand that either. Yeah. Um, but that's a thing, apparently, then that's scary. Yeah, uh, the most, <laughs> The biggest thing to take away from that is these weapon delivery systems that can use both conventional warheads and nuclear warheads. So they're saying that these are oh. these are like missiles or whatever that can look okay. like a not nuclear missile, and then they can throw a nuke on the tip of it, and now it's a nuclear missile. So okay. that increases the potential of us accidentally going to war because we see something and we don't know if it's nuclear or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that is scary. As they said, it raises the probability of miscalculation in times of tension. Yes. So as, yes, yes. you know, political tensions rise, you don't know if somebody's using the nuke or not because the thing looks, because it's a reversible <laughs> missile. <laughs> um, Double-sided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, jackets. Um, and then obviously concerned about leaders who have sole control of nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. That was a concern throughout 2020. Um, not naming names. And, um, yeah, so then there's also, like, India. So th- so those were, like, kind of specific things. And then also uh, country relations, international relations. India and Pakistan kind of going at it. North Korea, mm-hmm. they're always up to something. Um, <laughs> Middle East, China. So just we are not having the best um, foreign relations with some people. And mm-hmm. other people are also at each other's throats. So nuclear weapons, big scary. Uh, climate change. Basically, it's the same thing. Still haven't addressed climate change. We're not making changes. We were out of the Paris Climate Agreement, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, bad news. And the they said the atmospheric greenhouse gas hit record high in 2020, wow. which is terrifying. That's scary. Um, and 2020 was one of two of the warmest years on record. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you live in California, you know, hellish. California or most of the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Hellish um, wildfires. Also, Australia was on fire for like oh, yeah. the first half of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was our winter, it was their summer. <laughs> their burning season. Yeah. Um, cyclones, terrifying things. And in 2020, Paris Climate Agreement, they were supposed to be, everybody was supposed to be increasing their pledges. And of course, that had to get postponed because of the pandemic. So, things that were good, things that were supposed to happen, had to get postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, and. CO2 emissions, they dropped 17% because of Miss Rona. Mm-hmm. But overall for the year, like, we were, I mean, for, think of how much of the year we had dropped, um, how much, oh, dropped, how much of the year we had been out of commission mm-hmm. and those emissions could have been going down. For the rest of the year, for the year total, it only went down 4 to 7%. Wow. So 17% drop because of Rona, but 4 to 7% drop for the entire year. So it just kind of goes to show, like, how much you have to do for mm-hmm. there to actually be a drop. Um, and then, last but not least, disinformation. It's so, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same ideas that were happening happening in 2020. Carrying into 2021, the it was amplified by Miss Rona and, you know, how it spread. It was all of, just yeah, so, so much disinformation around the coronavirus. Coronavirus, how it spreads, where it came from, who... Yeah you know, brought it here or didn't bring it here. Um, just the way that I, um, the thing that I read, the way they phrased it was misinformation literally led to loss of life. Yeah. Misinformation about COVID led to more people dying than should have 
because the severity was downplayed um, mostly by government officials, yeah. by the people who are leading us. Uh, they downplayed the severity. Um, and then it led to loss of life again with misinformation about the election, mm-hmm. leading to riots in the Capitol, leading yeah. to loss of life. First hostile occupation of the U.S. Capitol since mm-hmm. 1814. It's like... Wow. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, horrible. Um, so, that's all bad shit. So why didn't we go even closer to midnight? Like, if everything just is the same worse, if not worse, worse. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some positive things that balanced out all of the bullshit. Um, first and foremost was Biden was elected president. And that is, like, a glimmer of hope in the eyes of scientists. Mm-hmm. Um because he supports, or he believes in climate change. Yeah. <laughs> um, and supports science-based policy. Yeah, he does not support <laughs> climate change. He does not endorse that. Um, but he believes in climate change. He trusts the science. He supports science-based policy. So that's all really good. He's already said that we're going back to the Paris Agreement. Um, he's expended, ex- sorry, extended the New START um, program with Russia mm-hmm. for five years. So the New START was one of the things that we lost, uh, I believe, 2019. And it was basically essential for keeping um, keeping us from going to a full-on arms race. It, like, sanctions us and them from, like, developing too many things too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a good thing. We have that for five more years, which gives us breathing room to be able to renegotiate things with them. Try yeah. to bring our, um, our relations back on track with everybody. Yeah. Uh, and... There's a tree on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, um, which 50 countries without nukes, I think mm-hmm. you might have told me about this also. Um, the, so the, yeah, it was 50 countries who don't have nuclear weapons, and their intention was to pressure countries with nuclear weapons towards nuclear disarmament. Mm-hmm. So that also came out in 2020, which, um, I mean, it'd be awesome if countries with nuclear weapons were, you know, having those thoughts. Uh, but really good that there's all these other countries that are kind of putting political pressure on mm-hmm. the nuclear having countries. Um, and they also just wanted, they noted that bio terror, bio, um, bio threats are a bit of an issue and a scare. Mm-hmm. So just the potential, um, especially with the pandemic, we're just kind of realizing the potential for there to be a thing that is actually developed some kind of pathogen that is truly developed um, and unleashed on humanity mm-hmm. and how much more you know virulent that would be and how much more deadly and catastrophic mm-hmm. humanity ending that would be. Um, so that's just something else that they're keeping their eye on. Uh, they're a little nervous about that. And they give a whole list of things um, that we as uh, people in, Amer- in America, in the world, <laughs> God, that was so... U.S. centric. Yeah, <laughs> I hate myself. Um, peop- things that we can do uh, everywhere. So, for example, U.S. and Russia should um, put an extension on New Start, launch follow-up talks, uh, blah, blah blah. We should accelerate commitment to decarbonization uh, with climate change things. Uh, we should put. We should try to reduce the U.S. reliance on nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. You know less of a fear tactic and more like actual international relations so we mm-hmm. don't have to just scare people into you know doing what we want uh, again stronger decarbonization we want to be in the paris agreement which now we're we are going back into that um 
and filling leadership positions with science-based agencies, mm-hmm. um, for science-based agencies. And they just want, you know, scientists to be running science things. Yeah. Which isn't a very novel idea, but <laughs> but apparently it is. So there's things that we can do. We can, you know, try to be better. Um, something that I don't know if you saw or read a lot about this, but um, it was, oh, the Rachel Bronson? Is that her name? The CEO, the president of the, oh. the Bulletin currently. She did a podcast called Big Brains. Um where she kind of talked about how climate change and nuclear technologies kind of meet um, in the sense that nuclear power plants produce less or don't produce any carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. It is a nuclear energy is something that we should be looking into to reduce our carbon emissions, but because we don't know how to dispose of nuclear waste and having all these nuclear reactors. There's a lot of like, fear around yes there's a lot of danger that goes into it because we don't know how to do it right Mm -hmm. and i think she brought up like sweden or switzerland like knows how to deal with this nuclear waste better which made me think like can we ask them (laughs) (laughs) what they're doing do you think they would share their secrets yeah like are they like trying to help the globe with that um but i thought that was a very interesting point that like we could use nuclear technologies for good and to make progress in climate change arenas. Um, but that's also, you know, another risk and something that we have to kind of navigate very carefully. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we will always have the nuclear clock? The doomsday clock? The nuclear clock. Let me rephrase that. Do you think we'll always <laughs> have the doomsday clock? Um, yes. Yeah. I agree. I don't think that... I don't think that we are capable of being so, like, developed enough to... You know what I'm saying? To, (laughs) like, mentally get past, like, oh, I'm gonna drop a bomb on you. I don't think that we're going to get there with any political leader. I don't think there's a world in which we don't have nukes. And I think as long as there's nukes, we are gonna have... We're going to have this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I can't see us getting rid of those. Mm -hmm. They're too precious to us (laughs) not to me personally right but to everybody who likes the people who do war (laughs) (laughs) anyways i think that's all we have for you this week yeah thank you for listening if you would like to email us with a question about the episode or if you have recommendations for future episodes or if you want to say hi, you can email us at two girls one topic pod at gmail.com. That's the number two and the number one. And if you want to connect with us on the socials, <laughs> you can go to our Twitter or Instagram. Uh, both are the same. It's at two girls one topic again that's the two the number two and one the number one um and you know sometimes we have some fun polls there and maybe we will post i think a we're gonna be of... doing a poll for next week's episode yep so hit us <laughs> up um on the social medias and listen to us wherever you get your podcast wherever you're listening to us right now that and... will cut that part out obviously you know where to listen to us <laughs> good god and stay, stay curious, curious. <laughs>